This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen message today entitled The Fellowship of Scars. The Fellowship of Scars. Before we pray and then begin reading uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23, open your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 23. Before we get there, let me just say that um, what a wonderful response we had to Wednesday night's message on where did God come from. It's just been phenomenal. Thank you for uh, your, the way you've responded. Uh, last Sunday when Christians aren't Christian, uh, all these things that, that we've been, we've been kind of talking to every seat in the place. Well, that's not what we're doing today. I'm not here to talk to every seat in the place. Today I'm going to be talking what God has put on my heart, but it might not be for you. I, and I want you to say I'm okay with that, and I want you to be okay with that. But it might be. Today I feel like I'm on more of a mission. That I'm on a mission much like when Jesus said, sometimes you have to leave the 99 to go after the one that's hurting. And I feel like Jesus has sent me with a word that comes after someone who's hurting today. Because we all face pains, we all face struggles, and we all have scars. And that's what I want to preach to you about, the fellowship of scars. And we don't really like to talk about our scars. You know, I've been preaching all morning about scars, and it's come up a few times that I actually have a, a pretty significant scar here on my arm with 42 stitches at one point. And, and I, I was talking to Ray before service, and it hit me at the beginning or the end of last service that it's always kind of a joke with the staff. Year-round, I wear long sleeves. I very rarely ever wear a short sleeve shirt. And, and, and I've never really thought that much about it, but then I realized as I was preaching that message where that came from, is I didn't like when people asked me about my scar. And it just became who I was. And I think there's somebody here this morning that you've been so defined by your scars that you don't know how you will live without that definition. Well, I want to invite you to somewhere better today in Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. God, you have brought us here, and this is your message and your time. I feel very strongly today, Lord, this is directly from you. And whomever it is for, whether they are here, whether they are watching, whether they are listening, whoever you have sent this message for, speak to them now. May your word change who they are. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 20 reads like this. There was also Benaiah, we say in English Benaiah, but in Hebrew, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, notice this clearly, another time on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Now, it should tell you there's probably something wrong with him at this point. Amen. But he chases a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once armed with only a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. He was into close combat. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with it. Deeds like these, notice this, deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. He was honored more than the other members of the 30. And we'll talk about those in a moment. He was honored more than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. 
And David made him captain, captain of his bodyguard. Now today I want to talk to you about the scars that you bear. And somebody says, I don't like talking about my scars. Well, welcome to God's house. And one of the first things that Jesus likes to do is walk right into our lives and walk right up to the area that we don't want anybody to mess with and go, that's where I want to start. Because we don't like anybody dealing with our pain. We don't like anybody dealing with our struggles. We don't like anybody to know how we've really been hurt in life. Because our scars are private. But our scars are hindering our public life. This week I began a study about why people would get together for a support group. Why would people who have suffered through common things, what do they gain from gathering together in a support group? And even though each person takes away something as unique as they are from the experience of a support group, there were about four very common things that happened why people gathered together in support groups. The first thing that we heard, people said that while they were in a support group, they learned alternative ways to cope with their pain or with their problem. They learned how to deal with things differently. They learned that, that there's, a, there's a better way to dealing with this. The next thing, uh, they learned that they were not unique in their struggle, that other people had gone through similar, similar struggles. Other people had gone through similar problems, and they, they learned that they were not as unique maybe as they thought they were. Then we see that uh, they learned a different perspective from people who were dealing with a similar problem. Hey, how have you handled this? Well, I try it this way, and it gave them a different way to try to handle their pain. But the most common thing of all, and as I was talking with Pastor David about the, the cancer support groups that he's a, a part of, he said the most common thing that you find in all of these groups, and I, I found this to be true in my other research, was you found that you are not alone. You found that you're not the only one who's hurting. You found that you're not the only one who's struggling. And I have a message here, but I want to tell you what I feel from the Holy Spirit already this morning. Somebody has come here and your scars are screaming at you as I'm preaching to you. Your struggles and your pains that have been trying to tell you that life will never get any better have been lying to you and telling you there is no hope. I have come to tell you today you are not alone and there is hope in Jesus Christ and you can find it today. Pastor, you don't understand my scars. You don't understand my pain. You see, this feeling that you are the only one who has ever faced this is nothing more than a lie of the devil. As a matter of fact, it is the enemy's first and foremost key belief to hold you back. It is the enemy's first and foremost thing that he wants you to feel like nobody gets you, nobody understands you, nobody else has ever dealt with this, and God loves everybody else better than you because nobody else has had to walk where you have walked. And the enemy wants you to believe that lie that you're alone. But when you get around people who share similar scars, then you can begin to realize that, that your normal has not been lost. Your normal has simply changed because you're dealing with the scars of your life. The enemy spends all of his time telling you that you are the only one. The enemy spends all of his time telling you that nobody else understands and nobody else cares. But when you get in a room with people who bear mutual scars, you can see the truth. I'm reminded, and I look over here because uh, Todd and Kathy were so faithful to help him go to these things, but I'm reminded of Frank that used to sit here and how he would cry after he got together with the Lou Gehrig's uh, support group when he was dying with ALS and, and how, that he would, how he would come back and tell me how much it ministered to him to realize that he was not the only one. I don't know who you are. I don't know why God sent me with this message today, but I want you to get this very, very clearly today. You are not the only one that the enemy's ever tried to destroy this way, and just like God brought this 
them through, he's going to bring you through because there is hope. His name is Jesus, and you're going to survive whatever storm you're facing. Amen. But Pastor Don, you don't understand my scars, but you don't understand there's fellowship in scars. You see, when you get around someone who has a mutual scar, their scars reveal to you that it is okay to come out of hiding. One of my, you know, it's amazing how we compare our scars, but nobody's scars are as bad as mine. Bethany saw me yesterday and she said, she said, Dad, you know, uh, you're going to talk about scars. She said, well, I just want you to know my husband's scars are more gnarly than your scars. I said, excuse me? She said, yes, his scar makes him look tougher than your scar makes you look. I said, I didn't know it was a competition. But then it hit me, God was giving me an illustration. Because when you come to this house, the first thing the devil tells you is, they don't understand your scars. Your pain is greater than their pain. You've been betrayed deeper than they've been betrayed. Your weaknesses and your struggles and your problems go much further than they will ever understand because if they really knew how scarred you really were, they wouldn't want to be around you. I mean, there's nobody in this place that's ever heard that lie. I'm just going to take a drink and let you think about that. Because I believe we have. I believe we've all heard the lie of the devil. I believe we've all heard the enemy say, if they really knew who you really were, if they could really see your scars, then they would not love you. We've all heard those things, but remember something. Scars bear witness to the truth, not the lie. Scars reveal to you that it's okay to come out of hiding because when you do emerge, you see that it is possible to be free in spite of your scars. Let me just tell you what a scar really is. A scar is where it is proof that healing has occurred after a deep wound. And God wants somebody to realize your healing is on the way. In the right environment, your scars can begin to fade. In the right environment, burn victims are no longer burn victims when they're around other people who have gone through similar things. They just become one of the guys again. In the right environment and of support, when other people bear similar scar, rape victims don't have to feel like they're the only one who feels dirty in the room anymore. That somebody is there who understands what they're feeling gives them hope because scars bear witness to the truth. Now today in this passage that, that the Lord has brought us to here when, when we have, have read of Benaiah and, and his, his, his mighty battle, what we're seeing here is how one moment shaped a man's future. How that one moment would ultimately bond him to the greatest earthly king that, is, that is, the world has ever known, King David, that, that's still being talked about all of these thousands and thousands of years later. That this one moment in the life of Benaiah has bonded him to his future. His scars made a way for his life. Benaiah was a mighty warrior. And he had begun to make his name. And one day, he encounters a lion. We don't know the reason why, but he starts chasing the lion. As he's chasing the lion, they're in conflict. And I've met lions. Lions don't tend to run that much. Some of you go, Pastor Don, you've met lions. Some of you witnessed me meet a giant lion right here on this stage. That lion that I had petted every single time it had come to our church as a cub, every single time it was as a young lion, had become a mature lion. And when I reached in to pet him that time, I almost lost my, my hand. And then he wanted to do everything he could to eat me. Oh, you can laugh. You were out there. I was standing right here. 
the paws on those lions. When you get near those lionesses' heads, the huge heads, I don't know what would possess someone to chase a lion. But Benaiah was chasing a lion. Quickly it became easier to chase the lion because it began to snow. And as it began to snow, he followed the tracks all the way to the edge of a large, dark pit. The fringes of the snow, can you imagine, can just be seen edging into the darkness. The lion's roar pierces the air, and instead of causing him to run in fear like most men, like most normal men would have done, after the lion, who had now been captured, would no longer be a threat to anyone's livestock, after the lion roared, it did not have that, that effect of striking fear into the heart of Benaiah, but rather it caused him to lunge headfirst down into the pit. The battle was ferocious. There was a roar, probably a scream, then there was silence. And climbing out of the darkness, you see Benaiah, bloodied and scarred. He has lived through what most men couldn't, and he will forever be marked. Again, in this service, I feel this drawing. Some of you are here, and you have lived through what would have killed someone else. God has brought you through pain that the enemy tried to tell you would never get better and the easiest thing for you to do would be to take your life, but yet you still live and your scars are there to prove that what you went through, but you listen to me carefully, there is hope and God's trying to bring you out. Now, the Scripture goes on to tell us of some other things. We see a list of some things in this passage about, about 30 men that the, that the leader trusted. And so let me have those guys I asked. Why don't you come on up to the stage if you would? Great, great. Pastor Danny, why don't you come up here? Ray, would you join me here on the stage? Have any of our elders that would join me here on the stage? Jason? Jason, join me here on the stage. Join me here on the stage. Good group. Y'all, go over this way. I think that's how the stage will hold you. Everybody crowd that way just a little bit, but I want you, you two to stay here in the, toward the front. Pastor Danny, would you stand right here with, with Ray and with, with Paul? <laughs> Johnny's Benaya today. Come on, let him have some love now. All right, he's Benaya. Yeah. Mm. Lion-killing machine, right? Crazy enough to dive headfirst into a pit with an angry lion. So, David is in need. Now I want you to listen to me. David has a need and he doesn't know what to do. Alright? And in this passage of Scripture that we're studying, they have a discussion of the mighty men. Look at these mighty men. Woo! Of the mighty men. And from those mighty men... (laughs) Thank you, Louie. From those mighty men, he pulls... His captains out, and there's three of them. We've got four of our, our chief staff members right here. He pulls his captains out, and they talk about their great exploits. And the Scripture says of Benaiah, it says that he was not as great as those. He was not among them. All right? He was not considered among them. He was considered among the 30 men that the leader could, and I get to be David in this scene. This is cool. I get to be David. (laughs) That the leader could trust. Men that he knew he could trust. All different ages, all different backgrounds. And Benaiah was not 
part of this crowd. But he had done something that caused there to be a distinction. Now, now I want you to come over here and just stand right, right there next to Louis. Be careful, he's got a lot of muscle there. <laughs> and so David ends up in need. David has a problem. We don't know if it's by death. We don't know if it's because of betrayal. But David ends up in a, in a, in a bad situation. And here's the bad situation. David no longer has someone he can trust as his bodyguard. Jeff Browning went with me to, uh, you're one of the elders, you're supposed to be on the stage, but he went with me to Africa and uh, I told him, I said, I'm sorry, I don't care what, they're going to think I brought my bodyguard because this big man comes walking in, you know? And, and David needed a bodyguard. David needed someone to keep him safe. He needed someone. And as he looked at all these men that, that he loved, he had 30 of them. As he looked at all of them love, he had to think, well, that one would probably be able to do this, and that one would probably be able to do that. And, and, and I can't take these guys because they, they're taking such a load off of me doing these other things. That, I, that, that Who am I going to pick? Who am I going to trust? And as he's examining their lives, he notices something. And I feel God in what I'm saying to you today. He notices something about Benaiah that made him stand out from everybody else. That made him the candidate and ultimately gave him the job. The reason that David could look among the great men that he trusted and pull Benaiah out that, and say, this is the man I trust. The reason for that, and I want you to get this today, the reason for that was that when David saw Benaiah, there was something that he had in common with Benaiah that he had in common with none of the others. Because in case you haven't figured it out, it's not common to be someone who jumps in a pit with a lion. It's not common to go down into the pit with a lion. But this I know, if you jump into a pit with a lion, you might kill the lion, but you're not coming out without scars from where you fought the lion. And when David looked at Benaiah, what he saw, and I feel God in what I'm telling you, what he saw when he saw uh, Benaiah was he saw a scar that he had recognized from somewhere. And he remembered back to when he stood before Saul, and he said, Saul, look, I can handle the giant. I can handle this battle. Why? Because when a bear or a lion would come out and attack the flock i would send a stone after it and if it would turn again upon the flock i would grab it by its beard he said and i would then slay that lion up close now what he understood was this he understood you've got to get close to it if you're going to kill that kind of problem and i can only imagine that david let his robe drop for a moment and as he looked upon the scars that benaiah bore he saw the scars that matched on his arm and he understood something but Benaiah understands me in a way that nobody else can understand me because we share the same scars. Are you with me, all right? We, we share the same wounds. We share the same... We get it. We can talk about everybody else and say, you just don't understand what it's like to kill a lion. You just don't understand. Now look, I haven't shared this like this in every other sermon uh, this morning. This is the first time I've shared it like this. But some of you come into this place and all you believe is the lie of the devil and he can take a room that is full of people and make you feel lonely and make you feel like nobody understands your pain. But I guarantee you on this stage are men that have dealt with similar sins as you have, but the same Jesus that set us free can set you free this morning. Amen. 
There's fellowship in our scars. There's fellowship in our weakness. There's fellowship that when they see, people say, well, why do I need a church? Let me tell you why you need a church. When somebody else sees you get beaten up, they come to you and say, I know what you're going through, but let's go forward together because we bear the same scars and the healing in my life can come to your life. I wish somebody would give him a praise like he deserves this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys this morning. I believe you may be the most people I've ever used for a sermon illustration. Now I've got the sermon I preached to everybody else and you're not going to get it. Because let me tell you what he's put in my heart for this service. You're looking for someone who understands. Pastor Don, you just don't know how bad I am. Look at my scars. Look at my struggles. Look at my weaknesses. Look at my failures. Look at my problems. As a matter of fact, don't look at them, Pastor, because I'm ashamed of all of my scars. You know, the one thing I know about my scars, I don't like anybody to touch it. When the kids would go, ooh, what's that? I was like, ugh. Because it reminds me of pain. But when I need someone, I can trust. When I need someone, I can think about all of the things I brought in my life, all of the blessings and all of the normal ways I fix things. Oh, I know you probably don't have coping mechanisms. As Charlie would say, you're being facetious again, aren't you? Sarcastic. Listen to me. Every one of us have one, two, three, or four areas of our life that we deal with our pain. The people we trust, the, 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 the things that we do with. I, I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I'm just shooting out there. Maybe this is somebody that's watching. Maybe it's not anybody present. But somebody, it's a sin. Every time you start hurting, you know you're going to go back to that sin. Every time you get this way, you end up talking to the same person and you're pouring, pouring out your heart to that person and, and, and it never helps. I mean, and it's just one coping mechanism after another and there's all these people and all these methods that you've tried and you can't figure out how you're going to get free. What you need is someone who is scarred just like you. Someone who can say, I, I, look, I bear the same scar. I bear the same scar. And as you look at your life and all the resources you have around your life, am I making sense to anybody this morning? And you're trying to figure out what can really help me? Who can I really trust? Who could, who could I oh, make my bodyguard? I need someone who understands what I'm going through. I need someone who scarred just like me so they get it. I remind you of the Scripture. And I'm sure Dean can find it for us. It says we don't have a great high priest who doesn't understand what we're going through. For we have a high priest who is uh, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who doesn't get it. We're not alone looking at all the coping... Look, they may drink it away, but you don't have to. 
They may send it away, but you don't have to because somewhere in your life, you've got to get to the point that you start moving away and going, who can I trust? Who can I trust? And somewhere you're going to find an Isaiah 53 kind of God who says, I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace is upon me. And by my water stripes, by my scars, you are healed. That when I, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you stand in reverence to the Lord? That when I look among my life and I try to find all the ways to fix my problems and all the ways to stop the hurt and all the ways to make the devil just, just leave me alone because he's trying to push me back into my pain. When I look ahead, what I see is not all these coping mechanisms. Somewhere in the middle of that is a God who said the only way I can give them hope is to bear the same scars that they bear. You don't believe me? What did he say to Thomas? Thomas said, I just can't believe. And he said, Thomas, touch my scars and he put his hand upon his scar and he knew exactly who he was Pastor Don nobody understands my pain it's your pain he was wounded for he bears the same scar. Oh, he wasn't that beaten. How could he bear all the scars? The Bible says he was so beaten they could not recognize him as a man you know what that says to me? All he is, is a scar. The king of glory walks into the room. Oh, Pastor Dom, he's not that way anymore. He's got fire in his eyes. and his wife. No, 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 no. It was after his resurrected body was changed that he looked at Thomas and said, see my scars. Every Muslim testimony that we are hearing, almost every single one that we're hearing where the gospel has not yet been sent by human means, where they say Jesus is walking into their dreams, they say a man walks in with, with scars in his hands and his feet, and he says to them, I am God, and he's making himself known. His scars are there to remind us we are not alone. We have not been forsaken. There is one that we can trust because he knows right where we are. You hear me today. I don't care how deep your scar and how long you've covered it. Today is your day to be free. Bow your heads with me in this place. Spirit of the Most High God, you are here. You have come to change lives and to set people free. Now I gave you permission in the beginning of this service and I, and I just shared with you this may not be for everybody but I believe it's been for a lot. If God is speaking to you about what's going on in your life, can I see your hand if that's you? Almost 60% of this congregation has their hand in there. You can put that down. It amazes me we can come after the one and God gets everyone. God's speaking to you. Your pain is a cry that He recognizes. Your tears he has caught, and you are not alone, and you are not forsaken. He loves you just the way you are. Pastor Don, I'm so scarred. With Jesus, he says, welcome to the group. 
welcome to the group. Nobody looking around. There's somebody here that I feel this today. I feel, I'm, I'm serious. I need you interceding. You came into this place not knowing if there was ever hope. And you came here saying, God, I need to know today if there's hope for me to be healed. I want to see who you are, where you are. I feel that in my spirit. Where, let me see your hand if that's you. Yes, yes. Wow, so many of you. There's hope. There's hope in Jesus. Put your hands down. If you're here today, and there's an area of your life that you know you need to surrender to God because the scar has kept you in the dark for far too long. It's kept you from living. It's kept you from being who God's called you to be. If that's you today, and you say today, I want to be healed. Can I see your hand if that's you? God's healing some marriages. God's healing some people. He's healing some hearts. He's healing some situations right now. Thank you. Put those hands down. God's going to heal you today. Some of you are beginning to walk out of the darkness right now. I feel the moment when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that were dead, yet that he were dead, he shall live when he believes in Christ. You're coming forward. You're coming forward. Quickly before I pray with all of these that have responded. You're here today. You'd say, Pastor, I have not really surrendered my life to Jesus Christ because I've felt too scarred to be acceptable. I felt my sin was too much. And I've not surrendered to Jesus. But today, I'm willing to come into fellowship with Christ as my Savior because I know He accepts me just the way I am. If that's you today, nobody's looking around and everybody's praying, I haven't embarrassed anybody else, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you, today I want to pray with you. But I want, to, I want to know that I need to pray with you. I want to see your hand now. If you say today's the day you want to give your life to Jesus, thank you. Well, that was up fast. Is there another? Is there another today? Today's the day you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. That would join with the several that have already responded this morning. Thank you. Are there others? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I see that one in the balcony. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want you to join hands with someone near you. I have not been preaching a gospel of no effect. I have been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe with our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we would be born again. It says if I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. We're going to pray this prayer of faith with these that have responded this morning, and they're going to find Christ. Today is their day. And then I want to pray for everyone who's responded. There's, I'm, I'm going to declare there's healing in the house. There's healing in the house. The God of miracles is here. God's going to heal you right now. Let's pray this prayer with these this morning. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, forgive me of my sins. I give you my past my present, and my future. You see my failures, my pains, I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, from this moment forward, all that I am is yours. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. And in Jesus' name, God is my Father.
Heaven is my home and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for this one that prayed this prayer this morning. I thank you for those many that have already been changed this morning. But Lord, I pray now for those who've said, I need to be healed. As I'm praying, just slip your hands back toward heaven. Lord, as your river of healing water begins to flow, I ask you, Lord, that the trust between them and you will grow. Father, I ask you for victory, Lord. You've already spoken to us so clearly this morning. Let victory come. Let deliverance come by the power of the Holy Spirit. For there is none like it unto our God. Father, I declare that from this moment forward, this day, a memorial to the day their life changed forever. In Jesus' name, heal your children. Amen and amen. How many are thankful for a Jesus who understands? Give him some praise. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.